You're listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. You can send Matt feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Here's your host, Matt Jackson. Welcome to the Good News Project podcast. My name is Matt Jackson. Hard to believe it, but we have made it all the way to the end of the school year. And let's be honest, back in July, when we literally had just wrapped up graduation for the class of 2020, which got a late ending because of COVID, most school districts were clueless on exactly how we were going to be starting the year. Were we going to be in person? Were we going to be virtual? What was our model going to look like? And even two weeks before the start of the school year in the district that I work in, Lamar Consolidated ISD, where they wanted to give parents choice, we were going to be one of the few school districts I think our district and maybe Pearland was the only district that allowed face-to-face instruction from day one. But even two weeks before the start of the year in late August, there was pushback. There was an emergency school board meeting where there was talk that we were going to go back on what we had committed to parents and we were, going to be, we were going to be fully virtual. And I remember writing a letter. I wrote a letter to the school board, to each school board member, asking them to allow parents to have the choice because I thought it was important. And, and selfishly, I was, I was thinking of myself because I had already gone through the difficulty of enrolling, unenrolling my own kids out of their, their school district that we're zoned to from our house, Fort Bend ISD, and transfer them into Lamar so that they would have the opportunity to work with a teacher face-to-face. Virtual instruction just did not work for my kids. My, you know, my oldest son does not learn well in that type of environment. And virtual instruction is not fair to parents. Parents have to work. I needed to work. My wife needed to work. And most parents do not have the financial wherewithal to just stop what they're doing and become surrogate teachers for their kids, even though even in a, uh, you know, in a virtual world, you, you do have a teacher. But most elementary school kids are not going to be able to operate a computer by themselves. So there was a huge debate, this emergency school board meeting. You had teachers coming in, some saying they didn't feel safe going back to school. And thankfully, the the school board stuck with what they were doing, and we were allowed to provide face-to-face instruction at my school. Now, what's amazing is that we did not know how we were going to provide instruction because the, the speculation or the belief of the district, and pretty much every district found out this lesson – the belief was that you were going to be able to have teachers focus on one uh, one mode of instruction. Either a teacher was going to be a face-to-face teacher with students in the classroom or they were going to be teaching online 
with students. But the truth of the matter is, especially at the secondary level with middle schools and high schools, the math simply doesn't work. You can't, you run out of teachers trying to have a regular looking classroom with 25 to 30 students only teaching one mode. And with six days left before the start of school, our district completely scrapped its plan and we were told that we were going to have to teach simultaneous face-to-face and virtual instruction in our classroom. That meant a that was a totally different animal. It meant we had to build these robust online Canvas modules. And we also had to figure out a way to be able to transmit our teaching via Zoom while also being able to instruct in the classroom. It was it was a big deal. And I am, uh, I, I'm, as most of you know, I'm a very uh, positive person, and I'm extremely thankful for the district that I do work in. You know, I've worked in other school districts. Um, I think my district, for the most part, does a really good job. I definitely love the administration at my high school where I teach. They are very supportive of teachers. But to a large extent, the kind of middle management of the district left teachers out to dry. The people that run curriculum instruction and the people that run the IT department were not prepared to support teachers in this new endeavor. And virtual teaching is a totally different animal. And so we basically were left to our own devices and had zero support. And so there was a lot of heavy lifting that had to be done within a six-day period. And that doesn't even begin to measure the time that had to be put in for safety protocols. And the, 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 the way the school had to be prepared in terms of the direction that's, that traffic would flow within a school and what staircases could be used to go up and which would be used to go down and where hand sanitizer was going to be and, and all of these different important avenues – And I think most people were skeptical. I know that one of the um, assistant principals at my school didn't think that the school would remain open more than two weeks. Thought we would have too big of an outbreak and that they would close the schools and we would go virtual again. And I'm happy to report that the only thing that shut down our school this year was that snowstorm back in uh, February that we did as good a job as possible maintaining this school in a safe environment and providing the best possible instruction that we could under the circumstances. And I think most students who were face-to-face would tell you that they had as close to a normal school year as could be expected. And I think the kids that were face-to-face had a better uh, social-emotional year than the kids that stayed home. And that's not to say that the kids that stayed home, that many of them didn't have legitimate health concerns. I know there were some out there, and I know there were a lot of 
uh, paranoid parents that were afraid to send their kids to, to school. I understand that uh, completely. But a huge amount of credit has to be given to um, our school nurse who was charged with tracking the contact tracing and making sure that everyone was wearing the masks and keeping them on so that we, we didn't have outbreaks. And that's not to say that we didn't get emails multiple times a week saying that a student had tested positive or a, a staff member had tested positive and that we didn't have issues with uh, in the cafeteria, you know, if it's on camera that somebody has their mask off because they're eating lunch and they happen to be sitting next to somebody that tests positive, you know, that that doesn't become a thing. But we persevered. And I'd say 90% of the, the, the teachers and staff were positive about this. And we did our best, you know, to make this not a throwaway year the way the spring semester was in the spring of 2020. That's not to say that learning gaps were not created, particularly with virtual students. But as you start to get test results back, whether you believe it's fair or unfair that we're judged based on state assessments, our state assessment numbers are right where we would like them if we were in a normal school year. So teaching is taking place, learning is taking place. This year was, uh, from an execution standpoint, I think you'd have to give this year an A. I think we did a really good job under the circumstances trying to make school normal. But what are some of the lessons that we, that we can learn from teaching in the pandemic? Here are just a couple that came to mind for me. Number one, in my opinion, funding virtual instruction full-time would be a mistake for public school districts. I'm not saying that there aren't a few students who thrive in a virtual world. I know in particular there are high-achieving students that probably prefer being able to knock out their assignments quickly and free up the rest of their day for other activities. But virtual school was largely abused by both parents and students. And while the virtual option was developed for safety concerns, students were able to manipulate the system, get credit for attendance, but not have to do any work or actually receive instruction. To me, students who failed in a virtual environment should have been forced to come back to school. And furthermore, the virtual school was also used by students as a means to cheat on tests and other assignments. It is nearly impossible to monitor 75-plus students' test-taking environment even when spending significant money on software like Proctorio. No one has time to go back and watch the video recording of every virtual student. And students miss out on important social opportunities in a virtual world. They need to learn how to interact with other people face-to-face, not on their devices. They need to be able to collaborate on work. And I also think parents utilize virtual school as a means to save on daycare for younger children. That's not what it is designed for, to have older kids stay home and be expected to thrive in school plus take care of younger siblings. Second lesson, my opinion of junior colleges took a major nosedive. I have often been of the opinion that students should do whatever they can to stay out of debt when they exit college 
including utilizing community or junior colleges for their basic classes. Well, after overseeing a dual government class provided by Lone Star College this year, I am questioning the credibility and accreditation of junior colleges. The rigor level of this college class did not match my academic level high school class. Nearly every student earned a high A with a minimum of effort. I am of the opinion that a dual class or an AP class should challenge a student and prepare them for the level of a four-year university. Maybe I just caught a lackluster professor, but I was just unimpressed. Number three, I question the veracity of class rank. We have now had three semesters where one would have to question the integrity of grades. I can control the integrity of a testing environment in my classroom. I can't control the same environment in a student's house. Kids who want to cheat are going to find a way to do so. Might it make sense for colleges to take a more holistic view of a student's college application? And if class rank was not involved, might they be more likely to do so? I can't wait to have everyone back in my classroom just so I can move around the room. I feel so sedimentary, and I'm pretty sure I have put on weight simply because I could not move around my classroom this year. I was pretty much forced to be glued to my desk so that I could serve my virtual students and my face-to-face students at the same time. I'm someone who loves to wander around the room and teach at the same time, and having 30 students in my class will be a welcome sight in August of 2021. And finally, let's, let's talk about school spirit. The pandemic limited our ability to support one another due to limited numbers, pep rallies, dances, football games. These were seemingly non-events this year. And I would like to do whatever I can to get school spirit back in the building for all events next year. I think all the students who are entering the building for the first time in 18 months are going to need some help with their social-emotional skills. And I hope that we're able to get them actively involved in clubs and other extracurricular activities. All in all, the school year has been a good one, a challenging one, but a good one. But I'm really looking forward to summer vacation. My family and I are headed to Maine for a week of relaxation and lots of lobster. I'll still try to check in every week with a brief message during the summer. There are some things I want to talk about, like the European Soccer Championships and Jeff Kinley's new book, Aftershocks, as well as Roger Bennett's autobiography. I know the podcast has a small following, and I do appreciate each of you who continues to listen and provide feedback and inspiration. Let me leave you with this verse in the book of Romans. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank everybody for sticking with me through the back end of the school year. And I want to salute all of my fellow teachers who made this a normal year for students and allowed them to achieve to the best of their ability. I hope everybody has a fantastic summer. As always, if you have any thoughts on what you hear, what you listen to, you can always email me, goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at MJ for sports. That's at MJ, the number four sports. Until next time, Matt Jackson saying so long and thank you for listening to the Good News Project podcast. Tell me something good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
You've been listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. To reach out to Matt with feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests, email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Yeah.